Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, uh, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would speak to me this morning as I preach your word, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We pray your presence now in Jesus' name. Amen. In uh, 1775, after the Battle of Lexington and Concord, the Continental Congress sent Benjamin Franklin to France to be the first ever ambassador for the not yet United States. Even before the Declaration of Independence was written and signed, the United States sent Franklin to France. Now, Franklin was instrumental in in negotiating several treaties and uh, really was a key in getting France to come and be a part or to help the United States in this fight for independence. Franklin continued in this role as ambassador for, for 10 years until 1785. His job in France was to represent the interests of the United States before the people and, and the government of France. Ambassadors throughout history have played key roles in representing the desires of, of the country that they were sent from to the place where, where, where they go. Today in our passage, Paul is, is, is telling us that we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors for God to the world. For you, you are ambassadors to God for Tucson, for Arizona. To me, God has called Robin and I to be ambassadors for God in, in Zimbabwe and in, in Bulawayo. So today, as we look at our passage, I want to encourage you as believers that you are not old, but you are new. You are new creations. And as such, you are ambassadors. My first point is that you are no longer old. You are new. Now, some of you are going, well, I'm kind of old. But but no, you are new. You are new creations. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, the old, the old has passed away. You are new. 
So, so what is this that has passed away? What is this old? Well, this old is our being enslaved to sin, being, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The old self, according to, to Paul, is one that is spiritually dead. Ones that were following the devil, following the power of the air. So, so where does this come from? Well, all goes back to the beginning. So I want to take us there. Back to the beginning. Back to Genesis verses chapters 1 and 2 to begin with. Let's think about it. Let's go back and not necessarily turn there, but let's just remember what took place. First, God made everything, right? He made the universe, the sun, the moon, the sea, the land, animals, plants. Finally, he made man. And with man, he made him in his image, the image of God. We were created to be image bearers, to be like him in some way. And it was beautiful. The whole of creation was not just good, but when God created man, it was very good, right? And then he created out the man a woman because there was no suitable helper for him. And man was put in the garden and he was to take care of it. He was to cultivate it. He was to work it. And there was a special relationship. There's a relationship special between God and man. They, they seemed to have a fellowship in the garden. And, and, and men and women, they were naked and they were not ashamed. And all of these relationships seemed to be really good. And there was only one rule. One rule in the garden. You, you can't eat of this one tree, God said. This tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No, nope, you can't eat of that one. You can eat everything else, but not this tree. And if you ate of this tree, you will die. That's what God told him. But life was great. Life in the garden was good. Man's relationship with each other, that was good. Man's relationship with, the, with God, it was good. It, man's relationship with himself, he was naked. They weren't ashamed. Man's relationship with the creation was good. They were working in the garden, taking care of it. But then temptation comes. Satan comes along and tempts Eve and she takes the fruit and she eats it. She not only eats it, but she gives it to Adam who was sitting there right with her and he takes the fruit and he eats it. So look with me now at Genesis chapter 3 verses 9 through 18. Genesis chapter 3, which is 9 through 18. It says this. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? 
Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. And the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go. And dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree, of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return." When, when we look at this passage, we see all the results of our brokenness, of the brokenness of all of these relationships. I talked about four relationships. I talked about the relationship with God. The relationship with God was broken. No longer was this sense of perfect fellowship there. When God comes into the garden, what do they do? They hide from God. They hide from God. There's a brokenness there. And what about the relationship with each other? Well, what does Eve, what does Adam say when God confronts him? It's not my fault. It's her fault. What does Eve do? It's not my fault. It's, it's this snake over here. It's this serpent that you, that you, it's his fault. There's a blame game going on. And then their breaking relationship with themselves was broken. They were naked and they felt shame. They felt guilt because of this nakedness. No longer were they naked and not ashamed. No, they were ashamed of it. And we see the brokenness in the creation. Thorns and thistles and pain and childbirth. There was this brokenness. No longer would work be a pleasant thing, but work would be a hard thing. And we see this throughout the whole of the Old Testament, right? We see through this coming about in all of the Old Testament. We see this brokenness in the relationship with God. Israel rejected God as their king. They said, no, we want earthly kings. We won't want God as our king. We built, we, they created idols and, and images of God, of, of other gods, and they worshiped other gods. And we see the brokenness of the relationship with others. There was, there was war. There was, there was, there was jealousy, there was, there was slavery, there was murder, there, there was adultery. And we see the brokenness of the relationship with self. There was, there was shame, hatred, lust. And we see the results of the brokenness with creation. There was floods, there was drought, there was famines, there was plagues. And yet God continued to be at work, right? God was at work. From the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, we see the promise 
of a future Messiah, one who would be the one who could reconcile this thing. Which brings me to my next point. Christ, by dying on the cross, brought in the new covenant, which makes us new creations. Jesus' death on the cross reconciled us to God. Paul tells us exactly what Jesus did for us in in verse 21 of 2 Colossians 5 when he says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This means that not only did Jesus, by dying on the cross, take away our sin, but he also gave us his righteousness. We are not just, we are not just free from sin. We, we are clothed in his righteousness so that when we stand before God, we are found innocent, not because of anything we have done, but because of what Christ did for us. He has given us his righteousness. Jesus Christ came to reconcile man to God. But he also came to do more. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus Christ came to reconcile all things, all things. First and foremost, he came to reconcile our relationship to God. But it didn't stop there. He came to reconcile all things. So he came to reconcile all of these relationships, right? He came to reconcile us to each other. He came to reconcile us to ourselves. He came to reconcile us to creation. But this is one of those places where there's this whole now and not yet aspect, right? Is your, is your, let me ask you, is your marriage perfect? Those of you who are married? Is, are you, is your relationship with your neighbors perfect? I can personally say that mine is not. I have this neighbor behind me that quite often does things that bothers me a little bit here and there, like playing music very loudly in the middle of the night. You know, it's not, right? Are, are, are you perfectly healthy? Do you, do you struggle with addictions? Are, are we free from disease? Do you like your job? Do you have a job? Are there droughts, hurricanes, famines, floods? We see that the world is far from perfect. There's still sin present in this world. There's a whole now and not yet taking place, but we know that Jesus came and defeated Satan, right? We know that. Jesus came and defeated Satan. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same thing, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power over death, 
That is the devil. And delivered those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus brought victory. Jesus brought victory. He brought in a new creation. Satan was defeated on the cross, but there's a whole now and not yet aspect. God is still allowing Satan here on earth to be at work. But Christ, too, is here at work. He is gathering people from every tribe and people group to be his, to come into this kingdom. And yet there's this whole thing going on. We don't have to look far to see the brokenness, right? Let me give you some examples from Zimbabwe. So you can kind of get a glimpse of what it's like there. Zimbabwe. It's a country of maybe 12 million people. About 2 million of them live outside of Zimbabwe because of the economic realities. But of those people, statistics say 85% of Zimbabweans are Christians. Yet, ancestral worship is still a big part of their quote-unquote Christianity. Thinking that they can pray to the ancestors who can intercede to God on their behalf. The, the quote-unquote prosperity gospel is alive and well. There's pastors and prophets preaching on Sunday that you can be rich, you can be healthy, you can be prosperous, yet the most of Zimbabwe are poor and desperate and struggling with life. There's 90% unemployment in Zimbabwe. Land has been seized from white farmers and given to political people and war veterans and others. Zimbabwe, which once used to be the breadbasket of Africa, is now heavily dependent upon others to bring food to them. These past couple weeks has been really challenging. Two weeks ago, the president more than doubled the price of gasoline to where Zimbabwe is now the most expensive gasoline in the world. Over $12 for a gallon of gasoline. As a result of that, mass protests broke out. Looting took place. Protests took place. The government called out the military to come in and help. People were killed. The government since has continued to break into houses, beating people, raping people. Lives have been lost. Protests have happened. It's terrible. The government shut down the Internet for several days. The brokenness of relationships is seen all around us. You see it as well. Full restorations of these relationships will not come until Jesus returns, until the new heavens and new earth happen. Then full reconciliation will take place. And when this happens, there'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more wars. There'll be no more heartaches. There'll be no more disease. 
There'll be perfection. The creation will be restored as it once was, but even better. We'll be standing before God all the time at his feet, worshiping. But until then, we have a responsibility. We are ambassadors for Christ. And this is my final point. Paul tells us that we are ambassadors. So look back at your passage. It's 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 to 20. Paul says this. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We as believers in Jesus Christ are his ambassadors, his ambassadors of this message of reconciliation. So, so what's the job of an ambassador? It, it is it not to represent the government of the sending party before the people of another place? Benjamin Franklin's job was to represent the interests of the United States before the people and the government of France. The ambassador of the United States in Zimbabwe is to represent the interests of the United States before the people of Zimbabwe. And so your job as ambassadors for Christ is to represent Christ to the people around you, to the people here in Tucson and Oro Valley and wherever you are, to be his ambassadors. You are first to be about reconciling people to God. That's first and foremost the most important thing, right? To reconcile to people to God. Jesus says we are to be about making disciples, not making converts, but making disciples, ones who are truly committed to the work of Christ. We want to preach the gospel that Christ died for the sins of the people and for people to come to faith in Christ. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. We need to be about helping people to be reconciled in all their relationships. We need to be about helping people to be reconciled, husbands and wives to be reconciled when they're apart. We need to help people who are struggling with addictions and other issues. It means that we need to be about getting our hands dirty, getting involved in the lives of people. We need to be concerned with the environment, with that what's out there. We need to take care of what God has given to us. As I said before, we minister in Zimbabwe, a place that's brokenness. Brokenness surrounds us. When we, when we go out to our rural churches about 45 miles from us, we go out there regularly. We have three churches, a church and two church plants out in the rural area. And we see God at work in the lives of people, but there's struggling going on. 
These people are barely able to feed their families. Matter of fact, many of them are not. <clears throat> they, they, they don't have great soil. And so as a result of that, we've done a few different things. We started a project where, where, where we're doing roadrunner chickens, right? You think of a roadrunner as that bird with the long, yeah, running around. No, they're roadrunner chickens. They're actually free-range chickens. We have a project of free-range chickens where we're helping families to, to build a flock of free-range chickens so that they can sell these. These are a, 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 a wonderful indigenous food. They, they love their free-range chicken. And so we are trying to develop a market where they can raise these chickens and sell them. So we're helping to uh, groups of families to create a cooperative together to be able to do this. We have a goat project where we have uh, goats out in the rural areas that we're trying to multiply and grow so that they can use those to support the work of the church. But we also have a feedings program right now. Last year's harvest was not adequate, and food prices have gone up. The price of maize seed, what the predominant crop there, the price of maize seed went from $14 for 10 kgs to over $50 for 10 kgs this past year. So many could not even afford to plant. It was a struggle. And so, so, so we've helped some with, with maize seed and other seeds, but we're also doing a deal where we're trying to feed the people. And so each month for the next several months, we're, we're actually sending out money for them to be able to buy a couple tons of maize to be able to feed the families out there in the churches. Now, I understand from Steve that this church is committed to helping us in that. And we've also done other churches, same thing, helping with feeding programs. We are trying to be ambassadors of reconciliation to the people. We are trying to be the hands of Christ by loving them. In town, we work closely with our other two churches, and they're doing feeding programs as well. We're trying to help the most vulnerable but we have people regularly into our homes. A few weeks, a couple of weeks before we left, we had our young adults into our house, about 16 of them. And we made pizza, of all things. That's what they wanted to do. And believe it or not, their favorite pizza was Hawaiian pizza, you know, the ham and pineapple pizza. We ran out of pineapple. It's an opportunity to come alongside people and to show the love of Christ to them, and spend time with them. And we've seen over the months God answering prayers for these young people. A couple of them have gotten jobs recently, amazingly. But what does it look like for you? What does it look like for here at Desert Springs to be ambassadors for Christ? I understand that there's a neighborhood, new neighborhood going in right here. How does being ambassadors of Christ, what does that mean for you in this new neighborhood? How can you be ambassadors of Christ in this new neighborhood? How can you be ambassadors of Christ to the various organizations that people here are involved in? What does it mean? May I encourage you, it means more than just giving money. 
May I encourage you that you need to give involved. How does that look? Well, it'll look different for all of you. But may I encourage you to be involved, Put your get, not just with your dollars, but with your lives. If you are here today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, may I encourage you that today might be the day that you become reconciled to God. Jesus shed his blood on the cross for your sins so that you can be a new creation, a follower of Jesus. I pray today that I pray that today might be the day that you become reconciled and begin your new journey as a disciple of Jesus. For those of us who are believers, you are new creations. You are new creations. You are no longer old. You are no longer enslaved to sin. You are new creations in Christ. Go out and be ambassadors today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I praise you and I thank you that you sent your one, your only son, to die on the cross so that we can be reconciled to God. And that you have commissioned us to be ambassadors, to be your ambassador, to be your representative to those around us, to the world to be ambassadors of reconciliation. Lord, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.